0: great chapter from a great book of the Bible. Uh, Way back in my younger years as a Christian, uh, those that used to teach the Bible where we lived uh, in Bristol, and others that we listened to as well, used to tell us that the new was in the old concealed, and the old... Was in the new revealed i think that was the right way around and uh, what they meant was that the new <laughs> is in the old concealed it's hidden as we see history unfolding and then when we come to the new we see what was hidden actually come to light and uh, and be revealed And so, uh, for those people who say, I only read the New Testament, you're only getting part of the picture, folks. (laughs) I know that Mike said to me that uh, he uh, knew a lady who says that the Old Testament was totally unnecessary. But uh, the two are needed. And in fact, you could say that the New is perhaps quite meaningless uh, without the Old. And so this morning, based upon this chapter, R 61, I want us to see a little of the new through the old, particularly in relation to what this chapter is all about, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, or as it describes him, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. In verse 1, where we read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. And uh, we see straight away uh, that there are two key titles there uh, in relation uh, to the Sovereign Lord. that He is sovereign, one who rules, and he is Lord, he is supreme over all. And so we conclude from that that Isaiah is saying that God reigns supreme over all. He is supreme over all. Vertically, in the words of the song, he's above all powers, and he's above all thrones. And then horizontally, through all time and eternity, if we think in terms of time being a horizontal axis uh, on a graph. And it's by his spirit that God works. It's by his spirit Acts, what and achieves what he wills and what he purposes. If you were to go uh, online and go onto the website for BibleGateway.com, uh, and if you simply keyed in uh, the Spirit of God, you would come up. It would come up with endless pages of Bible references. They go on page after page. And you will find that the uh, first would be as early as Genesis 1, verse 2. The Spirit of God was there in creation. Well, at the outset of creation, when we read that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. As God was about to act in the wonderful act of creation, creation. And then as you go through the Old Testament, you'll find that frequently when God would raise up very, various individuals to achieve a particular purpose or a particular task at a particular point in time, for example, people to be leaders of Israel, uh, people who would be prophets, we would read that the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And so um, you come through to the new testament and you see it there with people like john the baptist who was full of the holy spirit stephen that is his martyrdom full of the holy spirit in this chapter and you may not have just picked it up from the reading as heather read it through as helpful as yes, that was um, but uh, we see that god works at all levels within the world Um, In verses 1 to 3, we see that he works at the personal level. He works in people's lives. He works in your life. He works in my life, please God. And then we go on to uh, verse 4, for example, and we see in that verse that he works at a national level. He can work within a nation And uh, here we're thinking particularly in relation to the nation of Israel. But he will work within a nation to achieve his purposes for that nation. And then later on in the chapter, verses 5 to 6, for example, verse 9, verse 11, I've noted down here, God works at a global level, a global level, because he is supreme over all. And he has purposes for nations. He has purposes for the world. He has purposes for his church. He has purposes for his son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Spirit of God works, wherever you look, it seems to me, in the Bible, the nature of his work, the essence of his work, is always transformational. It's always transformational. He comes into a situation to bring about a transformation a change, which is uh, for the glory of God. And uh, when we come to the Book of Isaiah, um, we find that it's no, no different there. This chapter is no exception. Uh, it's amazing, I think. It's wonderful, as indeed throughout the whole of the Bible, that um, that the, the, the chapter, as we read it through, has a relevance for the time when it was written. Isaiah was the prophet. Uh, the word of the Lord came to him he writes and it was for God's people Israel to get a message that was going to be a pretty serious message but then we also find that um, this chapter has a relevance in relation to the time of Christ indeed to Jesus Christ himself we can see how it, it has a relevance for us today and then, even beyond ourselves, it has a relevance for its ultimate fulfillment to be in the day yet to come when Jesus comes and other things start to happen. Now, uh, during the week, uh, uh, I uh, was watching um, a, a clip on the computer. It was another YouTube what would we do without YouTube? It's better than reading just seeing and listening and uh, it was uh, um, a talk By a Bible teacher called Stuart Briscoe anybody heard of Stuart Briscoe Yeah, yeah a few hands going up. Yeah, he used to uh, head up Cape and Ray uh, Bible teaching school up in the Lake District and then several years ago he uh, Uh, was called to America to take over a church of about 300 to be the pastor there. And then uh, by the time he retired, it was about 6,500 in size. He's retired now, but he is a minister at large, which basically means he can go anywhere he wants in the world, uh, responding to invitations, uh, but still teaching God's word. And uh, he was at a graduation day, Uh, At a particular Bible school in America speaking to these students who had graduated and uh, he said how um, that his approach to the scriptures had always been to read the text and to see what the text was saying but then the text was it was written for a purpose it was written for a situation it was written to people so What was the significance of what was written for the people or for whatever? And then, (laughs) what is its relevance? What does it say to us today? And so he told these students that his approach to um, reading the Bible was always, what? So what? And now what? And I don't think that's a bad summary, actually. It's a good approach. And uh, we'll see that uh, sort of coming through as we work through uh, this morning. It was relevant from when it was written. Um, The ministry of Isaiah was at a time when the Assyrian Empire was expanding uh, and Israel was declining. And uh, generally speaking, they were not good days uh, for Israel. Uh, But uh, Isaiah, in this chapter, is speaking of a time It was going to come, it was round about uh, 586 BC when times would become even worse uh, and the nation would be overrun by the new Babylonian Empire. How much all of that is featuring in our service this morning. Uh, And taken captive when Jerusalem and the land will be just left uh, in ruins. Our front line last week had a relevance to it with, Jeremiah, sending the letter to those that were then um, in exile and so on. And then he says, but another day is going to come under another uh, empire. This time it would be the Medo-Persian empire, when the people would be restored to their land. And they would come back uh, to, to Jerusalem, to Israel. They would rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, rebuild the temple, and so on and so forth. Uh, and in context, Isaiah 61 is referring to that time when there would be the poor or the downtrodden. But there was going to be good news for them because the situation was going to change from what it was. And as far as the brokenhearted were concerned, there were going to be people that were brokenhearted, but they were going to be healed. They were going to be captives and prisoners as a result of... Of, of, of the Babylonian Empire overrunning Israel and taking away people captive and prisoners, but they would be released from dungeons in darkness. So he's talking about the literal situation in which people are going to find themselves as a result of this conquering uh, by the empire. But when the situation changed, when their fortunes were going to be restored, Isaiah says, It's going to be the year of the Lord's favour. It's going to be the year of the Lord's favour. A day with a ring of jubilee about it. We had the Queen's Jubilee a few years back. um, But jubilee is a Bible concept. Uh, And in the jubilee of the Bible, people that had lost land had their land restored. People that owed money had their debts written off and so on and so forth. It was wonderful. If you benefited from Jubilee in that way. Uh, in effect, a line was drawn under the past, and folk could now look forward to a whole new future with a sense of joy and hope. And that is what Isaiah is laying out in this chapter. It's not good now. <laughs> it's going to get worse, alright? But then we're going to be free and we're going to be able to come back to rebuild. And, and uh, have our own uh, land again. And therefore, uh, it would be a time of restoration. And it was going to be a time of healing for individuals in the land. And it was going to be a time of enormous transformation. That was how the spirit of God was going to work, and he was going to be working in men's hearts, he was going to be working in leaders, he was going to be working in emperors, he was going to be working at all those levels that we thought about to bring about that transformation, when once again, the temple would be rebuilt, and God would be worshipped, and there would be glory in the land. But then we also said that this chapter had a relevance uh, to the time of Christ. Um, And uh, as that chapter was read to us this morning uh, by Heather, maybe as she read the opening verses, um, you kind of thought to yourself, well, she's reading from Isaiah, but uh, there's a feeling of déjà vu about these verses. I've read them somewhere else in the Bible. And you're absolutely right, of course. Um, We've just started to go through Luke. We've had just one week. We should have been there today, but we're not. But hopefully next week with Tim Lewis, we'll be back on track. And then uh, further on, when we get to chapter four, um, we will find these verses. Coming up, it was when Jesus in his ministry came home to Nazareth and he went to the synagogue and he stood up and he read and this was the chapter where he read from and he read the verses, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. (laughs) In Isaiah 61, that was Isaiah saying that. He was the one who was anointed. He was the one who was going to be able to be preaching this good news uh, to the poor, and so on. But now, it's Jesus. And uh, although its initial relevance was for Isaiah, Jesus said, as he rolled up the scroll, if you remember, today, this scripture is fulfilled right before your very eyes. You are seeing scripture. What? I would have loved to have been in church that day. But uh, that was not the reaction of the people, of course, because they wanted to be away uh, with Jesus and would have thrown him uh, headlong to his death. And, you take this little spider from me, please? (laughs) I'll just leave him there to amuse you if you don't want to listen to me. Oh, this thing dangling dead, quarter of my eye, whatever it was. <laughs> um, and so we see that Isaiah didn't just have relevance for its time, but also uh, in the time of Christ. Assyria, Babylon, the exile, the return of Israel, the reconstruction of their land was all about history. And uh, over 500 years before that happened, in chapter 61, was fulfilled at that time. But now it would be fulfilled also in the ministry of Jesus. And of course, as Jesus came and carried out his ministry, his ministry was transformational. Jesus is described as full of the Spirit of God, full of the Holy Spirit. And it was transformation for the people of his day. As he revealed to them the kingdom of God. And what life in the kingdom would be all about. And healing those in need. With Jesus they would be seeing not the law of the Old Testament. But wonderfully the grace of the new. John says that the law was given by Moses. Grace in truth came by Jesus Christ in a wonderful way also fulfilled the law we understand it's interesting to note to note where uh, in uh, Isaiah 61 it was that Jesus stopped reading if you read the account in Luke chapter 4 he gets as far as saying he is bound he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted uh, to proclaim freedom from the captives And released from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In doing that, he was stopping mid-sentence. Because you will see that the text goes on in verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, Jesus ends. And the day of vengeance of our God. Isn't that interesting? And it shows to me, I think, very clearly that Jesus had a very clear idea of why he had come to earth. The purpose of his coming was not going to be judgment. It was nothing to do with the vengeance of God. That's for another day. Jesus had come. Come, and the purpose of his life was to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, The key verse that uh, I think uh, Andrew gave to us um, for Luke's gospel was the one in Luke 19 with Zacchaeus uh, that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save uh, that which was lost. And in John 3, um, after we read that well-known verse, John 3.16, in verse 17, it talks about uh, Jesus coming uh, with, with, with the aim that he might be the one who saves, that he is the savior of the world. But um, at the same time, he was not unmindful of the consequences for those who do not believe. Because at the end of the chapter in John 3.36, Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And that again is in association with events uh, yet to be. Isaiah 61, Scripture fulfilled in context for the people for whom it was originally intended. But the Bible is a living word, the living word of God. And when Jesus comes, he says, it's fulfilled in him. But then we said, um, what? So what? What now? What's the relevance to us? Well, there is a sense in which we still live in what Azar described as the year of the Lord's favour and what Jesus described as the year of the Lord's favor. Christians often refer to it as the day of God's grace, when his love extends to us, for us to know reconciliation and restoration to him, to know forgiveness, because of what Jesus has done, for us to be restored to him, to become his children and his people in part of his church. We live in a day when there is good news for the poor. I'm sure literally it's good news for the literal poor of Baghdad that um, St. George's Church has that ministry that it has. People come to church on Sunday and those that don't have go home with food. Uh, They literally (laughs) help the poor. And that's good news for them at that level. And at the time of writing, Isaiah was referring to those who were downtrodden and disadvantaged because of the exile in Babylon. But Jesus spoke of those who were poor in spirit. Now what does the Bible mean by that? I understand it to mean those people who in their hearts recognize they have nothing that they can bring to God and just have a need of him. People who recognize their need of God. People who are poor in spirit. And we remember the words of Jesus, to those Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the the kingdom of heaven. And then there's freedom for the prisoners. Plenty of people who are in captivity these days. We know that our prisons are overflowing. Uh, We know that perhaps they are out free on the streets in our land. uh, Those that perhaps for the good and benefit and safety of society should not be there but should be in a prison. But there is no room. For them. But I don't think Jesus was talking about. That sort of prisoner. When he said that the scripture was fulfilled in him. Somebody once said. Very famous. Can't remember their name. But it was quoted on the telly this week. That stone walls. It's not only stone walls and bars. That do a prison make. It's not only stone walls and bars that do a prison make. There are so many of us in our land today who are captive to one thing or another, captive to obsessions, captive to habits, captive to circumstances. In one way or another, people who are captive. GCM, go out on the streets for those that are homeless. And one of the key reasons why they are there is because they are captive. They are captive to one habit, addiction of one form or another. Or they're captive, victim of circumstances. And Jesus Christ says, I've come to set these people free. The Bible says, if the Son makes you free, then you are really free. If the sun makes you free, then you are free indeed. It's not without the realms of possibility that as we meet this morning, as those who know each other, respectable people committed to the life of Abbey Church, here in church most, if not all, Sunday mornings, and uh, we all get along great with each other. But within our heart of hearts, it may well be that we know of something that we're captive to. And Jesus came for us that we might know that freedom that he can bring to a situation like that. Then Jesus said there was recovery of sight for the blind. And of course, Jesus did literally heal those who were blind. And after his resurrection, though, there were those disciples of Jesus who couldn't believe that he was alive. And in Luke 24, we read how he met with them on various occasions and sought to show them from the scriptures how it would be. And then with some of them, he says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. But they had him with them all the time. They could see him with their physical sight. But they couldn't just get it to register that uh, it was Jesus. That it was Jesus to believe that he was alive. And later in the chapter of Luke 24, Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And that is the work of the Spirit of God that he can do in us now. To release us from captivity for us to be free. To be our God because we recognize our need of him. And that we're poor and spirit that we have nothing that we can bring to God. But he is the spirit who can open our eyes to be able to see the truth of what the Bible says. For us to commit our lives to God through faith in Jesus Christ and they will be released for the oppressed as well. It is the year of the Lord's favour. It is the year of the Lord's favour. Isaiah 61, God's word, lives on in our day and age. And God wants to do his transformational work in us for us to become like Jesus. Paul said, if anyone's in Christ, They're a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There is no day of vengeance of God for the Christian to face. It's possible for us to know if we respond to God in faith and receive Jesus as our Saviour, That all of our experience is an experience of grace. We will not have. Because we have not believed. To experience anything of the day of vengeance. Of our God. There is no day of vengeance. For the Christian to face. Praise God. How wonderful (laughs) is the grace of God. Scripture says that without God we are without hope in the world. But with Christ in you, the scripture says, it is the hope of glory. So what is it then that God wants us to be? By his spirit. Where we read some lovely words uh, in that chapter 61. I just want us to see them in relation to ourselves God wants us by his spirit to bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He wants to bring about the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So you notice that all of that is transformational. To do one thing instead of another. To bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. all of gladness instead of mourning. A garland of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God wants us to be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. As we live our lives on the front line and from day to day. And he wants our response to be. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. And so may we resolve uh, in our hearts to be prepared to allow the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, to do his transformational work in us for his bless for his glory and for our blessing in his name amen we'll sing a song uh, in the